hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Hello and welcome back to Suckatash. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. We have a... A heaping plate full of delicious succotash goodness uh, for you today, tonight, whenever you happen to be listening to this. This is episode 11, epi 11. We are now in our tweens. Uh, So thanks for hanging with us and telling your friends if that's what you've been doing, because our listenership is definitely on the upswing, I'm happy to say. Yes, more reviews on iTunes. That's fantastic. And uh, I wanted to let you know that as of this week, we are now available on Stitcher. Stitcher Internet Radio, uh, that is available, I think, only through apps on your iPhone and perhaps on your Android device. Uh, We just uh, signed an agreement with them to uh, be featured on their comedy channel, so you uh, don't have to download us from iTunes. If uh, you just want to listen along on your device, there we are. Just uh, do a search for Succotash and we should come up. Uh, At least we did when I looked for it. Uh, So uh, enjoy hearing us there, won't you? Uh, We are back to a a clip-heavy show at last. We had a couple of great episodes, uh, 9 and 10, where we had some guests uh, primarily using up our our ears. We had Kelly Carlin in Episode 9. We had the Carvey brothers, Dana and Scott, in Epi 10. But now we're back with the clips. So, uh, so happy to to be back. So you can hear what's going on in the world of comedy podcasting. We've got a a lot of new selection for you today, but I want to start off with something that's become one of my new favorites. Uh, Played this in uh, in Epi 9. This is uh, a little bit of Affirmation Nation with Bob Duca. Hello. Recently, a listener, Jeff LaPupo, wrote, Bob, what's in your medicine cabinet? Well, I think this is a very informative... uh, thing to tell you and so I will just read you this list of things that are in my medicine cabinet Lexapro Senna stool softening pills Pepto-Bismol Pepto-Bismol liquid gels Pepto-Bismol chewable caplets Thompson's water seal Band-Aids Selexa Prozac Lovox Paxil a mini maglite Zoloff Prestique, Cymbalta, Excel, Effexor, Flux Capacitor, Abilify, Invega, Safrish, Stay Fresh Monocle Wipes, Orap, Haldol, Shadow Haldol, Abreva Cold Sore Fever Blister Treatment Cream, Saline Nasal Spray, Two Fist Sized Chunks of Roofing Tar, Flanders buttocks ointment, dental floss, new and barely used, dental tape, equine Q-tips, Bausch and Lomb flaky eyeball cream, canker sore chewing gum, silicon-based personal lubricant, water-based personal lubricant, bouillabaisse personal lubricant, powdered elephant soap, one pound bag, sea lettuce cleansing milk by Alba, Avino Active Naturals Muffin Top Exfoliate. Soothing Care Chafing Relief Powder Gel. Triderma MD Diabetic Foot Healing Cream. 
a weathered copy of the patient's bill of rights from Kaiser Permanente, one rusty stethoscope, extra medic alert bracelets, a hand-hewn tongue scraper, industrial-grade sanding sponge, a burlap bag full of Epsom salt, medical-grade ricin, lava soap, gas-powered water pick, flesh-colored spray paint, Toms of Maine nostril stents, Dramamine, one large bottle of white vinegar, Velcro soap, canker cover, the oral canker sore patch, adhesive toe warmers, Kanka soft brush gel, Mucinix expectorant, Pepsid complete, seasonal affective disorder light box replacement bulbs, titanium hip grease, CVS athlete's foot cream, medical gauze, chloroseptic spray, chloroseptic lozenges, and a garbage bag full of loose strike anywhere matches. Oh, Bob Duca with the world's biggest medicine cabinet. Uh, you can find Bob Duca as a part of the Earwolf. Uh, family of comedy podcasts at Earwolf.com. And congratulations to uh, Scott Ackerman, one of the heads of Earwolf. Uh, they have just been uh, uh, put up as um, a Funny or Die's podcast provider. They're on the front page of Funny or Die's website now, uh, the Earwolf uh, link. So check that out, Earwolf.com at, uh, at Earwolf.com, of course. But also uh, look for them at Funny or Die. And you can also find all of their shows on iTunes. Uh, next up, we have uh, another show, which has actually become sort of my new favorite podcast to, uh, to listen to because it's, it's to at least to hear them tell it, it's entirely improvised other than some of the production elements that go around the pieces. Uh, but these guys are really funny. Uh, they're a great cast, uh, Jeremy Carter, Matt Gorley, Mark McConville, and Jeff Crocker. And then they have a, a wide range of, uh, a wide arrangement of guests from TV and movies and, Kind of whoever they can get in Hollywood, I guess. But uh, it's a pretty uh, interesting show just in terms of who shows up for it. But uh, this is a little clip. And the reason I picked this one out is it uh, features Andy Daly, who is guesting with them, uh, who does this character named Dom DeMello, who uh, was uh, showed up on an, uh, an episode of Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, that we featured a few episodes ago here on Succotash. And uh, he's re, uh, redoing that character in this, uh, this sketch on Super Ego. So uh, let's have a listen. Super Ego, Season 3. Profiles in Self-Obsession. Brought to you by Drs. Jeremy Carter, Ph.D. and Matt Gorley, P.Y.T. With resident specialists Mark McConville and Jeff Crocker. Case study, Don DeMillo with Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber and H.R. Giger. Schizoid, histrionic, and paranoid personality disorders. Okay, let's get the meeting started. What do you like to be called, Andrew Lloyd Webber? You may call me Andrew. All right, Andrew. But please, when you do, remember that I'm a lord. Yeah, but I don't have to say Lord Andrew. Just be thinking it, please, darling. All right. What do you like to be called over there, HR? I like to be called uh, Obsidian Sexsmith, okay? What is it now, Obsidian Sex? It changes every minute. What is it now? I am the inky-hued dinky feud. I say he knows his stuff. My wife calls me H. I think I'll go with H. Let's get things started. Uh, this is a very exciting. I have a new venture to get going on. Yes, and the show's title will be called Hey. 
really giggle. All right, let's get down into the fucking business and talk jerky. What's this show all about? I see it as the eternal struggle between the darkness and the light. The darkness, of course, is represented by... Uh, what was it again? It was a sort of... Uh, tunnels. Uh, tunnels. Human tunnels. Human tunnels, yes. So there's human tunnels, and you can... Uh, I'm thinking girls. And uh, just use them as tunnels. Yes, the circle of life. Can you feel the love tonight? How's the music coming along, Adrian? A number of fanciful melodies have uh, come to me in my dreams. I don't want to see anything with uh, Jesus. Well, you know, I did just use him the one time. It's not as if he was a sort of a Lenny or Squiggy that kept popping up. Will there be women in the show? Oh, you better believe there's going to be women in the show. Oh, women's makes me offering suffering so much. Oh, sure they have. Beautiful suffering. My mother was a woman. We're going to triple cast all the women in the show. It's going to run into money? Yeah, well, depends on the type of girl you get. A word about costumes? Hmm, I'm intrigued. Every audience member will have a ribbed cryogenic probe tube. Upsetting. And it will give them a professional fever depression. I, I suppose if we put some sort of a placard on an easel that uh, tells people if they enter this theater, they are giving up their rights to humanity. I feel like that's understood. Oh, and that there will be some strobe lighting. And gunfire. Oh, well, there's a new wrinkle. Yeah, well, well, you reminded me of it when you said people. Are we thinking of blanks or... Uh, cost prohibitive. Is that where we want to cut corners? We don't want to uh, maybe take one tentacle off of our hero? This is what I'm trying to tell you. We're going to have a lot of girls. A lot of tentacles. We're going to have more girls than we need. More tentacles than we need. We will have 11 tentacles. If one or two of them should get shot during the production... It's not going to make any difference. We pack up and remove the show to a different ice palace. Now, if I'm not much mistaken, that's called premeditated murder. Uh-uh, not if it's random. I think if you say that, it makes it less random. If the girl that gets killed during the show is chosen at random, well, now you're it's saying, not premeditated. I almost feel you're tipping your hand a bit. Oh, jeez, what am I talking to, a lawyer? If hypothetically we kill a girl who's been too mouthy that week... Donald. Please don't fight. It makes me happy, okay? Okay. Please continue. We're asking an awful lot of the audience. There will be no audience. Uh, well, I forbid it. This is definitely a problem. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I wish everyone gave it as quickly as you do. I literally don't have a spine. I took it out to pastiche it into a painting. Oh, is that one over there? Yeah. Worth it. But it's a water feature. But with blood. For children. Do you have children? No, they had me. I think we should definitely do a Saturday matinee for children, by the way, of this show. Uh, H, how married are you? Not very. The... She died. Oh, no, I, there was more. Oh. How married are you to Still the... Still pretty much single. Well, okay? no, I... Are I... you going to have to come at this question a yes, different way? Yes, yes. I have to approach it from a different angle. Yeah. Is it very important to you... To let her die. That now... Well, our goblin is in China, I says. Hmm. So close to English. I've taken the liberty to insist I do some drawings. Oh, okay. Oh, look at those. I designed this for a production of Annie. Get your gun. And pointed at Daddy Warbucks, who, like my mother, is bald and has no pupils. Upsetting. It was an auteur production directed by Radley's coach. He was a rawly... Please let me finish. I do apologize. Now I have to start again. Roman River. Oh. Scotch.
speech. Please, someone say something. Oh, I, I was terrified to interrupt and make you start again. Uh, I'm so tired. My mood sacks are ovulating. Okay, listen, I'm going to circulate a contact sheet. Yes, by all means. Now I'm going to write down my phone number and my email address, and they may just look like Scribble Scrabble, and I may run out of here, and you may never see me again, but I will absolutely show up for rehearsals bright and early with a sweater tied around my neck. And I will sign in burgundy pupil juice. All right, I think I'm just going to write my name, draw a couple of tits on it. <laughs> Then good. All right, next time. <laughs> I don't know what half of that meant, but man, ah, I love it. I was just talking to uh, Joe Polino, our uh, our producer and engineer here, and it reminds me the the rhythm of it reminds me a lot of old fire sign theater. Uh, they kind of have their own language, and they're just going a mile a minute. Mark, every he- once in a while, I hear something that totally validates why I do what I do, and this is one of those moments. I, mean, I, I want to have all of their children. Oh, man. So that's uh, that's super ego. And uh, every one of the uh, the clips uh, on their show, it's about a half-hour show, is just as crazy as the other ones. Woo, it's really more like roiling id. I think the super ego <laughs> would have a lot to say about <laughs> clamping this shit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, check that out at gosuperego.com. They're also at iTunes, and they tour on on Stitcher. Did I mention we're on Stitcher now? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us again. Yeah, we're on Stitcher uh, Internet Radio on your uh, on your devices, your uh, smartphones. So check that out. Check them out. That's gosuperego.com. And um, what was I going to do now? Oh, I know. We're going to do uh, uh, hear uh, from our, our beloved sponsor, of course. Uh, but you know what? Before I do that, we actually... We're not the only ones who love our sponsor, Henderson's Pants. We actually finally... In fact, we have actually had a call... On the Succotash hotline, finally, somebody has left a message because it's not really a hotline. It's just an answering service. Uh, but uh, we actually got a call at 818-921-7212. And uh, this is the message that we've gotten so far. This is Reed Longsworthy, and I'm calling to find out how I might get myself a pair of those Henderson pants. I sure do like what you seem to be offering, and I want to know if it comes in my size. If you can get that back to me, I would surely appreciate it. My number is 555-4232. That's 555-4232. I do like your pantaloons. Friends, if the high cost of air travel is getting you down, then the all-new Henderson's Flying Jodhpurs should have you as high as the proverbial kite. While these sharp new business casual pants can't actually imbue you with the power of flight, slipping them on is practically the next best thing to getting there, wherever there happens to be. Never again be hassled by a jumbo-sized seatmate or a perfumed matron stinking up your space, or suffer seats that are crammed so close to together that they make a body bag look roomy. With Henderson's Flying Jodhpurs, you get to put the world on hold. And by hold, I mean that's where you'll be flying from now on, in the cargo hold. Our patented flyers are specially designed to make air transport superbly comfortable, whether you're in a pet carrier, cardboard box, or wooden crate. 
With plenty of extra padding, it's like having your own first-class seat. Henderson's custom-fitted flank tanks hold enough breathable oxygen for you to survive a flight from Shanghai to Timbuktu. With the extendable bib and hood lined with 100% genuine alpaca, you'll stay toasty warm no matter how high you happen to fly. And speaking of high, unlike makers of inferior brands of aviation breeches, Henderson's flying jodhpurs come with a built-in altimeter so not only will you be alerted when your air supply starts to run thin, but you'll also know when you've made it into Henderson's exclusive Mile High Club. While most reputable air carriers prohibit passengers from flying in the cargo hold, Henderson's has worked out agreements with the remaining disreputable airlines to welcome aboard anyone sporting a pair of Henderson's flying jodhpurs. Originally designed for Amelia Earhart, the Wingwalkers Club of Altoona, Ohio, and Area 51, Henderson's flying jodhpurs are available wherever Army and Navy surplus goods are sold. That's Henderson's, makers of fine slacks and loincloths since 1903. And now, back to Suckatash. Ah, thank you, you good folks from Henderson's Pants, uh, loyal sponsors. Uh, 11 episodes and counting, so thank you so much. Um, let's, uh, oh, I know, let's get into our tweet sack. The t- tweet sack is our excuse for a mailbag. Um, and, uh, it's because most people don't send us emails at marketsuccotashshow.com. Uh, I've actually made it so you can actually send an email to anything at suckatashshow.com. You can send a message to Joe at suckatashshow.com or Bill or Kenny at suckatashshow.com. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It'll all get to us. Uh, but we don't really get that many emails. Um, so hence the, the tweet sack. Uh, but we do have a couple of emails uh, coming up today. The first thing, though, is a direct message that came via Twitter uh, from a uh, the folks over at the podcast called Sweet Feathery Jesus. Now, I've been uh, trying to find a clip to play from uh, Sweet Feathery Jesus, but uh, it's a... Uh, the show's a little, uh, it's, it's one of these conversational shows where it's hard to isolate just a few minutes where it, it's all in context. Uh, but they would like to be featured on the show and sent me a note saying, we're sending that clip over to you as soon as I find something suitably undisgusting. It's hard. Uh, that, that's in the message. It's hard. Uh, and that itself is a bit disgusting. But um, you know what, guys? It doesn't matter. We play disgusting stuff on here. We just need it to be three and a half minutes long. So if you can do that, we can do you. And that didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Um, next up, we have a uh, uh, an actual email. And you know what? I'm going to see if Bill Haywatt's still around. I think he's got one more spot to do in this show. So let me see if he's in his booth. Uh, can you see if Bill's in there? I've, this letter concerns him. Um, yes, hello. Uh, ah, Bill Haywatt. My name Bill, Bill Haywatt. I wish I had a studio and uh, audience to give you a round of applause oh, when you came right, in. That would be right. fantastic. It was very good to see you. How good to see you, you Bill. Welcome, welcome yeah, back. So um, hey, if you'll have good a to be back in the studio. Yeah, yeah. have a, a seat at the guest mic <clears throat> for a second, if you would. Excuse me, just a second. I'll clear that. Sure. Out here. Yeah, yeah. Hello, <clears throat> sir. Oh boy. <laughs> good. It's like you. It's like you ate a bird's nest yes, or something. Yes, you know, people ask me, uh, "How do you survive in the business?" I'll tell you, a card and a camel straights a week, and I can do anything. Uh, That's well. I hope you're with us a good long time, there? Bill. Yes. All right then. Hello, Tim. How are you? That's Mark, Bill. Also first of late, all, huh? uh, <laughs> yes. Thank. Looking good. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Um, so, so you said you got some fan mail here. Yes. Yes. A bit of email Raising from uh, one of our listeners, Clay uh, Lambert. Clay. Hello, yes. Clay. Uh, yes. Writes to us and yes. says. 
How about cocktails with Haywatt? Now, <laughs> he's this is all in capital letters. I'm assuming he's cocktails. talking about. It. I don't think he wants to Haywatt. actually. I don't think he wants to take you for drinks. I think he he, he's suggesting a feature, an episode, a feature act. He, he goes on and says, "Mode of my own." He goes on and says, "I served oh. the snowshoe." Remember, you gave us the recipe for the snowshoe. Yes, I do remember. I served yes. the snowshoe exclusively at my bridge clutch. Bridge, bridge clutch. Clutch, clutch, clutch. Like clutch. a coffee clutch. Yes. where people play bridge. Yes, and I was see. and was thrilled with the reaction. Ah. Does Bill have more drink suggestions to share? I want Her, to know from Clay if he actually used the secret ingredient. I believe that was what made it so crazy. Uh, or, yes. do you, or do you have favorite bars, both near and far, you can recommend? Oh, well, I, you know, uh, one of the, I'm certain that your listeners have not uh, have realized I've not really played much of a role in the last few episodes. I've been... Uh, had a bit of a falling out with our executive producer, Mr. Paulino, and uh, we had to. He, he felt that my drinking was. Uh, well, I had to make a choice: uh, either my love of the bottle or my love of the booth, as it were. And I've made a choice. I, I've uh, here at Succotash, I you could actually say I have sponsors on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. Uh, Hershenson's pants, Henderson's, uh, Henderson's, Henderson's pants, sure. pants on sure. one side, and on the other side, I've got my anonymous sponsor. At, of course, uh, a a a a. At uh, as I cling to my uh, sobriety, uh, cling to it, uh, and I I really don't think it would be a good idea for me to talk about uh, the drinks I've known and loved. It, I just well, don't want to put myself I in underst- that situation. I, I understand. Perhaps, it's just you know, you know we we do kind of but, pride uh, ourselves on giving mm. our listeners what what they're asking for. But Bill, yes. I, if it, if it's a touchy subject with you, we don't. Well, have... when I was working at WBMB in Baltimore, I used to go to a bar. It was the uh, we call it the Stringfellow Bar. It was around the corner, sort of a divey blue collar bar, and I would go around there. I say, "Hey, barkeep, what you got? What you got?" And he'd say, oh, "I've got something for you. I've got the." The Baltimore Batterer, and I remember that. The Baltimore, Baltimore Batter? What, what the hell yes, is well, that? you know, he would come in after doing the all-night shift. It was around yeah. 6 a.m., you know, and you had to find something that would wake you up while still calming you down. Oh, so this was, like, this was like a coffee drink of it some was, sort. It was a breakfast drink, actually, because <laughs> breakfast, it, was, it was a breakfast, breakfast drink, drink, because okay. you'd have... Uh, like a smoothie? In, I mean, well, sort of. depends on how you blend it. I realized you did actually put it in the blender, but it was a little curacao. And uh, I think it was a little uh, Jack Daniels, and uh, we'd put a little of, of uh, Krusty's. Remember Krusty's? They would make the delicious pancake batter. Krusty's, Krusty's pa- pancake batter. In the- if you put the pancake batter in the blender with the Jack Daniels and the Curacao, wow. and you just blend the shit out of it. Well, wow. you, not really, literally, but you blend it, and uh, <laughs> thick. you might. And what he would do when he would serve it, though, because you serve it over... And he would take the ice cubes and he would just soak them uh, very quickly, though, in a bit of a molten uh, sausage grease. And, and you'd feel like you were just having the best part of waking up. You <laughs> yeah, know, I guess it's, it's is, still left is in your the cup. the best part of waking up. Oh, my God. Because you have a little meat and a little, <laughs> little starch and a little uh, curacao. And uh, you drink Ugh. this. And you'd be ready for round three, I guarantee you. You're ready, you know, just, yes. ready just for breakfast. something. With a b- Bloody Mary back, I swear to God, you uh. could take on the entire Cleveland Indians. Wow, I, I, f- I feel I Ooh. have. I, I feel like we need to have a disclaimer here. Uh, kids, well, kids, don't try this at I home. I would say don't try this at home because it was who was that? Uh, I can't quite. 
remember his name. It was uh, Jack. Jack. Uh, I'm trading. Arbogast. Jack Arbogast was the bartender there. And oh my God, he would just. He would cook things up that would be illegal in the other 49 he's, states. Of course, at the time, there were only 46 other wow, states. Wow, he's, he's probably but serving time. I, whoever he is, he's serving. I know. He was born <laughs> to serve, and I will always thank him for putting me on the road to alcoholism, which ultimately led to my current road to uh, huh. sobriety. Well, yes. that's, that's a mixed blessing. It's a big, yeah, truly mixed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim, I love you. Uh, it's Mark. It's it's Mark, you drunken rummy. Thank you. Yes, Mark my words. That's for damn Oh, boy. Sure. Listen, anyway, so yes. so I understand we don't want to push you back over the edge. No, but we just don't, no. think about if there's a way you can kind of recall some of yes. your, your favorite recipes and whatnot. Oh, and well, bruising with Bill, yes. Yeah, so uh, think about that. Well, there was a time when I was working on Invitation to Learning, and we had this long-running educational was show. Was that back a radio show? Yes, yes, we did everything from Moby Dick to Oedipus Rex. I mean, we, we covered it all on that show, everything from homosexuality, to uh, incest. <laughs> That's what we said. That Your was, radio was different then. You could talk I about guess, things back then. I guess so. It wasn't it this Howard Stern bullshit. Oh, yes, I'm naked without my panties. Sitting on a speaker, crank the bass up, baby. What? <laughs> yeah. We left. Yeah, what? Wow. Where can you no, go after no, that? No, no, There's no. There's you can go after that. No, you're, you, I, he's a friend of yours, I heard. Well, I... Your friend. Uh, yes, yes, I, yes well, I'm anyway. sure he is. Anyway, Bill, think about Thank it. You. Yes, I Thank will. you for I coming will. in. I know you've got to get I, ready for I the next... Get ready for next spot. My, yes. well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Clay Lambert for I the will. letter. Clay, I'm here for you. If you ever want to, you've got my email. If you want to hear about how to get into the voice business, I'm always there helping young men as yourselves. And got to watch the bottle, of course. And Tim, I want to thank you. I always liked you. I always had Thanks. a problem with Mr. Paulino. He always <laughs> tried to tell me what to do. It's, you know, he's. Yeah, the, the thing about it is a producer who thinks he can be an announcer just because he's heard the words, he thinks he can say the words. Sure, But sure. I, you know, I, I, I'll respect you now. I'm going to go. Uh, all right, Bill. Down. Bill, Thanks good again, to, Bill, good to, it's Mark. Mark my words. Mark, you, you drunken rummy. Um, great. Uh, so, uh, always great to visit with Bill Haywatt. Um, and uh, let's get, uh, let's get back to the tweet sack. We, uh, in the update from Bob's Boneyard podcast, still no clip from them. Uh, they had, they had tweeted us a while back, said it was on its way. Uh, but so far guys, uh, I look in the, e in the email box and nothing. So, uh, still no clip from Bob's Boneyard. Uh, and then finally, uh, just got this direct message, uh, this week. Hello, Mark. It's been a while since we submitted a clip to your show. So I thought it was uh, about time again. This is a clip from episode 60 with guests, and I'm going to mangle this, Ahame Fulai J. Olao, something like that. Uh, he's a comedian, very funny guy. Sorry I didn't get his name right, but uh, I only had the clip, so I didn't ha hear anybody actually saying his name. Anyway, I hope you like it, says the note. Thanks from Mark, producer of Delicious Mediocrity. So uh, let's give a clip to DM. My uncle, my uncle, um, <laughs> he... I, I've been telling the story like on stage, and, and I like to say that my uncle uh, has been doing crack so long that I can't be absolutely sure that he didn't invent crack. <laughs> I don't know of any reported cases of crack use prior to him using crack. And, he's patient zero. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, like, so he's been. So we have the same birthday. Like him and I. Like we are exactly. We're exactly twenty years apart. Interesting. Um, and he had. Like he's been in and out of jail. 
Um, like he he's, he he's been in jail for drugs and. Sometimes he likes to do kind of rapey things, and like so, he's God. yeah, he, he's the worst person I know in the world. He's the worst person I know, and like, <laughs> is this your mother's brother? This is my mother's brother. Okay. Yeah, and so he had he was had this thing. He was on parole for a long time after his stint of rapey things. <laughs> it's not technically rape, but it's ra- it's rapey thing. Rapey ish. A lot yeah. of it's called a cage fighting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he was, you know, he was on parole, and you have to take drug tests. But, you know, he, you know, what, he, what would happen is he, he would know that he was going to fail the drug test, so then he would just, like, run. Right. Like, before, before... <laughs> he's already in trouble, so just yeah, split. Like, before he would even take the drug test, he right. just wouldn't... Sh- he would, like, it's easier like, to run. So I have to take a doing. drug test tomorrow. <laughs> I just smoked a lot of crack. I'm going to run now, which... Rather smart. I smart, say he smart thinks up the logistics. Exactly. He's the only guy who stayed up all night cramming for his drug test. Is that what that was? <laughs> the answer is. Run. I was up all night studying. So, so after like you know, I mean, you would think after you know twenty some years of drug use, his body would be ravaged and like he, right. I mean, he and he's a hardcore user. Like he's not like he doesn't dabble at right. all. Right. <laughs> he's dedicated, uh, but he. He, so he he runs from the police. The police are chasing him. He's in my grandparents' like big van, and it turns into like a freeway chase. Like they're chasing him on the freeway. Like they like they blow out his tires, and he like pulls over, like because he has to. <laughs> right. And then he gets out of the car and he's holding a knife. <laughs> he's holding a knife, and the police like like they have first they have um their like their guns with rubber bullets right. And he's holding the knife and, like, kind of, like, waving it around. Right. And they stop laughing long enough to shoot him with rubber bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they shoot him, like, five times with rubber bullets. He falls down, picks up his knife, gets back up, starts waving the knife around. Then they tase him three times. He gets back up with the knife, waving it around. And then they shoot him with real, a real gun twice in the chest. They shoot him twice in the chest. Like, he can barely stand anymore. He takes a knife, gives him the finger, and slices his jugular. Cuts through his jugular. Wow. And he's out of the hospital in 24 hours. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, my... That's a superhero who's just he has not using the resilience of a newborn baby. Oh my god! So, so like when, when that happened, so when that happened, my my grandma, the night that it happened, my grandma called me. My grandma like loves my uncle. Like, she he he's her favorite. Like he's her baby. Like compared to who else? Like, like, oh like compared to my mom, who just you know is a fuck up and just happened to graduate college and that's successfully raise children. That's gonna hurt. Like, like this is my favorite, not you. Yeah, no, it, it, like oh, the dynamic is ridiculous. The guy with the Cookie Monster eyes and the permanent scar <laughs> on his neck—that's always good. So my my grandma calls me the night that it happens, and she's like going through the the whole story. She's like, I, I have some really bad news. So Bill. Got an altercation with the police. I don't know. I'm sure it was their fault. And, <laughs> and and he got shot five times with rubber bullets, got tased three times, got shot twice in the chest, and sliced his jugular. Uh, so and you're like, thinking he's dead. And, you know, so I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm consoling my grandma. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm, this must be... 
really hard for you. Inside, I'm like, fucking finally. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm so sorry. This must be so difficult. And and she's like, yeah, he'll probably be out of the hospital tomorrow. And like, I'm like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Come are on. you fucking kidding me? There is no God. <laughs> All right, that's uh, a clip from our friends at Delicious Mediocrity that you can find at deliciousmediocrity.com, also on iTunes. So thanks for sending that clip along, guys. Uh, next up, we have uh, a, a clip from a show we haven't featured before. See their tweets all the time. This is the Fatinay podcast. Uh, I gather it's called Fatinay podcast because I believe Joe Hammer and Dan Heinz, the two hosts, are uh, a little on the hefty side. Uh, the shows I've heard from them, they seem to make a lot of fun about how large they each are. Um, but what they do is they review movies. So hence see hat, fatinee, matinee. And uh, they also, which seems to be a trend of some of these movie podcasts, simply review trailers from podcasts, which they call, uh, well, they'll announce it here in the clip. But anyway, so I want to uh, say, uh, let's give a listen to uh, Joe Hammer and Dan Hines from the Fatinee Podcast. Trailer trash. <laughs> Some brand new trailers hot off the presses for us to discuss. Oh, yeah. To start things off, uh, there's The Sitter starring Jonah Hill. Uh, that was a great, it looks like a great looking trailer. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull off being a lead by himself, though. It's going to be interesting to see if he's going to come across as like annoying I don't know, like or in uh, Get Him to the Greek, he was pretty good. He was pretty much the lead in there. Mm, I never saw that, but I, just, I have a feeling like him with kids, and it looks like. I think the whole thing looks stupid. It, it looks like a, a ghetto-ass version of uh, Adventures in Babysitting. It just looks yeah, stupid. Yeah, it does. But uh, it kind of like there's like cheesy humor in the trailer. But then there's some stuff like there's this kid who's Hispanic in the trailer. And they have this kid like blatantly being a Mexican <laughs> or Hispanic yeah. stereotype. All and, three kids are stereotypes. Yeah, but I'm just like, like how is this okay to stereotype like a child? <laughs> I don't want to get off like, well, don't I get want, me wrong, I love a fucking amazing <laughs> racist joke, and I can probably tell you all of them off the top of my head without thinking, but it's like, it's not right with children. I, well, yes it is, though. Here's why. Okay, look at every movie ever made with children, like Bad News Bears, uh, <clears throat> School of Rock, like, mm-hmm. the gay kid was super gay, the, you know, the, the shy kid was super shy, you know what I'm saying? They're all, well, like, stereotypes. Yeah, but it's a stereotype, and that's not due to ethnicity. Uh, I think in Bad News Bears there were... Because yeah, there was but two bad kids news. Who were bear, like they could Puerto also Rican they could also drop the n word like it was nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, they can. <laughs> because those times were different then, but now everyone has to be so goddamn said, even, PC. No, even in the remake, even in the remake with Billy Bob Thornton, mm. it's the same. I'm just saying, uh, I'm shitting on Dan's point because he's wrong. So there, Dan. Mm, disagree. Okay, we'll there's probably going to be disagree. some backlash about this. I'm sure, like the. National like Latino console or something will come out. And God, I hope so. Them. God, I hope so. That'd be awesome. <clears throat> I'm just saying, like maybe that's a way to get press. Maybe we just need to be more salacious. Yeah, there we go. We'll just pick on uh, <laughs> ethnicity each week. We'll have this week in racism, and we'll just go <laughs> fucking Swedes with your fucking tall blonde hair. See, no one gets pissed about that because you know what? Swedes are tall and they have tall blonde hair. Fucking rowers, rowers. <laughs> All right, next trailer is like crazy. This is a rom- um, romantic drama. I don't want to say con- Do you want to comedy. read the synopsis? <clears throat> a British college student falls for an American <laughs> student only to be separated from him when she's banned from the U.S. after overstaying her visa. Mm. There was a... For shame. I guess this went over very well. I think it was at Sundance or South by Southwest. And someone posted on Reddit when I was on there because I subscribed to the movies. Dude, why don't you just fucking blow Reddit already? I will. Uh, well, I'll have you spell it and then we can have you <laughs> okay. uh, fucking go on there. 
Uh, so I was on Reddit, and there was uh, that's where I get most of the news for Fat Name Podcast. And someone posted like, "Oh, try and not cry watching this trailer." And I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Watched it, didn't cry." And not only that, don't get I, it. Yeah, yeah, I don't care honestly. Like the characters don't seem that compelling. I mean, I know it was a trailer, right? I'm but... sure it's going to be like a good movie, and I can like you know I've been in long distance relationships. I get it why it's sad and why everything else. But I think fucking spoiler alert, they already show that they get with new people yeah, they at the do. end of the trailer. Like, okay, that's They pretty happening. much show the whole movie. Yeah, it's happened in other movies. Like, what's another movie that's kind of happening? Like, Serendipity done and ends up done. with someone else and they try and get back with you. But uh, that looks like it's going to be depressing. I'll yep. probably check it out. Good chick movie. That's probably going to be a good make-out movie. Bring the girl, make out, and then she'll probably end up crying <laughs> at the end. All right, that's the Fatinay Podcast with uh, Joe and Dan, and you can find them at fatinaypodcast.com, iTunes, and they also are on Stitcher. Yeah, they're on Stitcher. Did I mention we're on Stitcher now? Yeah, Succotash Show. Um, what does that... I just got back. Oh. Uh, what, yeah, I well, understand you had Bill in. Yes, Bill was here, Joe. How's he doing? He's doing better. He's doing I'm better. glad to hear that, but uh, just so as people try to understand how to incorporate podcasts... Yes. Lives, maybe you want to tell them how they might I, make uh, Stitcher and Succotash by uh, Extraction part of their optional entertainment life. Absolutely. You uh, don't have to go to iTunes to download us anymore. Uh, you can go to Stitcher on your smartphone device. Uh, I believe it's both on I t- uh, the iPhone and also on the Droid. Uh, you can go to stitcherradio.com, uh, I believe. Uh, maybe it's just stitcher.com. I'll have to look that up. But uh, they'll tell you what you can find. Uh, put Stitcher into Google. You'll find them. Very easy. But it's called Stitcher Internet Radio officially. And uh, we are now featured uh, on their comedy channel. So that's fantastic. Uh, and so is uh, the Fat and A podcast and many of the other podcasts we feature here. Uh, I'd like to play uh, a clip from something that's not a comedy podcast per se, although they do have funny con- contributions. It's a show called The Moth, and it's been around for quite a while. Uh, they're one of the longer running podcasts around, and it's really a spoken word podcast. It's it's sort of an NPR of podcasting. Uh, the announcers are very soft spoken, and uh, um, it's a variety of topics. But uh, the one we're going to listen to today is from an, a writer named Peter Hyman. And uh, yes, Peter Hyman, I said. And the funny thing is, it's a uh, story about foreskins. Weird. Uh, And that's the truth. Um, Anyway, he is a writer and he was performing this at one of their moth slams that they actually now have all over the country. This was actually done in New York, which is where the moth is located, I believe. But um, these are uh, their motto is true stories told live. And uh, that's exactly what we have here, a staged uh, reading of uh, Peter uh, Hyman talking about trying to do the right thing with his infant son's foreskin. Let's uh, give a listen. I found my son's foreskin at tax time. It had been sitting in my inbox on my desk, wrapped in gauze and put into an envelope, which is where it had been for about the past year, um, when the Moyle gave it to me following his bris, the day of his bris. Um, so this is what that story is about, the tradition of circumcision. Um, so anyway, I found it, and I needed to do something with it. And I remember asking the Moyle on the day of his bris, um, what's this? And he said, Nathaniel's foreskin, as though he were telling me the score of a baseball game or something like that. Um, and I said, well, why, why do I need this? And he said, you know, he said, well, so that you can return it to the earth and also so that when 
Nathaniel finds a nice Jewish girl to marry, he can go to this tree and take a branch for his wedding chuppah, which is a canopy in how Jews speak. That's how Jews say canopy. <laughs> anyway, so he told me this. <clears throat> and I didn't really know what to do with this information. My wife and I had never really heard of this tradition, but it sounded kind of on paper like a fine ritual, you know, rich in circle of life mythology and this agrarian symbolism, assuming one could get past handling bloody waste um, taken from an eight-day-old's penis, a screaming eight-day-old. So of course we decided to do it, to bury it. But unfortunately we were wrapped up into the sleep-deprived business of actually taking care of and raising this child, and we forgot about it. And then tax time rolled around and I was reacquainted with my son's only major deduction of 2008. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, it's awful. Um, tax humor is usually pretty funny. Um, anyway, so I found it and I, I kind of like, we resolved to, you know, heed the Moyle's decree. We were really passionate about doing this because we wanted our son to realize he was tied to 6,000 years of pain and bloodshed and locked based buffets on the Upper East Side. Uh -huh. But the dilemma that it raised was where do we bury this foreskin? Because like most of you and most New Yorkers, we don't have a yard, we had no trees, we don't even have house plants. So um, we live in Brooklyn, so eventually we decided on Prospect Park, which is a very beautiful place, and it's home to 30,000 trees. So finding one, we figured, you know, wouldn't be that difficult. So a couple weeks after making this decision, my dog and I, late at night, it was a May night, it was kind of chilly, I recall, we crept furtively through the park, you know, we didn't want to be seen. Um, there, there's actually a, a rule in this city code that is, it doesn't prohibit burying or digging, but it prohibits carrying items used for gardening in New York City parks, I'm serious. So um, I had gone to Home Depot and bought this little shovel that would fit into a messenger bag so I wouldn't get discovered. But um, so the park was somewhat empty. There were a few stray joggers, some dudes kind of finishing up a late-night soccer game. But no one, thank God, it seemed to would arrest me. Um, so I went into the center of the park. If you know Prospect Park, there's an area called the Nethermead, which is actually very popular, and it's a nice place for ultimate frisbee. So I was looking around, and there were these huge, giant, towering oaks, and there were these little saplings covered by their protective fencing, and just, there didn't seem to be the right tree. And... Um, my own resolution to myself was if I was going to follow this tradition and bury my only child's, the tip of my only child's penis on a cold night, I wanted to find the right tree. Um, which I'm sure you can understand. So <clears throat> my dog was with me and she chased this squirrel and, and chased the squirrel to the base of what appeared to be a maple tree. I grew up in Michigan so I know a little bit about trees because in the Midwest everyone's kind of a farmer. So anyway... Um, or that's what people here think. So anyway, she, he, she, he was at this tree, and it, it looked very nice. It was very green and verdant, but its lowest branches hung to the ground, forming kind of a protective layer. Had I been a younger man, I might have been prompted to climb the tree. It was that type of tree. It was the kind of tree you would have climbed. So I looked around to make sure that no one was watching me and took the shovel out and started digging into the cold earth. And the, the, the metal blade hit the, hit the ground with a crisp thwack, and it felt good to be involved in this kind of minor act of labor. And a few minutes later, I had a, a, a one-foot hole, deep hole, and, and I wasn't sure whether this was deep enough. I didn't know if there was a Talmudic decree. Um, and if so, it was probably measured in cubits, so it wouldn't have done me much good. 
But I just assumed that this would be deep enough. So I, um, I unpacked the gauze and opened up the, for the first time and, and took a look at my son's 11-month-old <clears throat> foreskin. Um, and it actually had the appearance of a guitar pick, basically. It was about that size. And it sort of looked like a crisp piece of bacon, a little bit dried out. Um, I put it to my nose, and there was no odor. So, and then I very, very carefully wrapped it back up and knelt and placed it into the hole. And, and it was sacred. It was, it was, this was a moment. Um, and so I covered it back up and stomped on the ground and reburied it. And I, I at the point at that time, said a, a brief prayer, which was a mixture of the Shema and um, Bob Dylan's Shelter from the Storm that I invented right there on the spot. <laughs> Then I backed away, and I, I kind of wasn't sure I was going to remember it, so I, I hastily drew a, a map noting landmarks, and the best descriptor for the tree I could come up with was big and bushy. Um, and when my son comes of age, I'm going to pass this document on to him, and he'll, he'll be the holder of this information, because I suspect that at some point he'll return to this in 30-odd years and cut down a branch. And I only hope I'm there to receive the frantic phone call I receive when he tells me he's been arrested for the crime of abuse to trees, at which point we'll plead for religious tolerance, blame the moil, and try to keep the whole thing a secret from his mother. Thank you very much. So that is uh, Peter Hyman appearing on The Moth. You can find The Moth. Uh, it's really an excellent quality uh, show. They're at themoth.org, also on iTunes, The Moth. Uh, let's uh, have another message from our beloved sponsor. Friends, do you realize how lucky you are to be alive at this point in time? Of course you don't, but you would if you owned a pair of Smarty Pants from Henderson's. Because Smarty Pants are the first trousers especially tailored for this digital age, with the intellectual firepower of a fleet of Croy One supercomputers built right in. Working closely with Intel, builder of the world's finest microprocessors, Henderson's Smarty Pants are ready to work the moment you pull up the zipper. You can word process, crunch numbers and send emails, even play words with friends using the FlexiFab keyboard built right into the thighs. Just cross your legs to see the twin calf monitors built right into the trousers' lower panels. Henderson Smarty Pants construction is totally intuitive as well. When you discover the joystick controller conveniently located right where you'd expect. In addition, at Henderson's Pants, we know that your day isn't all about work, which is why we've made it so you can pre-program most of the day-to-day -day functionality you normally do with your desktop, laptop, and smartphone. By spending just a few minutes playing with yourself and your Henderson Smarty Pants in the morning, they'll take care of everything else automatically as you relax, striding confidently around town. Whether you have an urgent need to download a big file or just want to tweet from your seat, Henderson Smarty Pants have got you covered. Originally designed for obsessive compulsives, anal retentives, and people who wanted computers in their pants, Henderson Smarty Pants are available wherever morons in blue shirts ask, Can I help you, dude? That's Henderson's makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1907. And now, back to Succotash. Next up, we have Sportsaholics. Uh, it's a clip from uh, a show that a friend of the show, Dave Nelson, over at Comedy A Go Go turned me on to. I mentioned before, I think that Dave is sort of a portal to all things podcast in the Midwest for some reason. He knows all these comics. And uh, John Scheisser and Eric Marino are behind Sportsaholics. They mostly cap on sports comedically. I think both these guys are stand ups. 
there's not a whole lot of sports in this clip. They're talking to uh, their guest, Steve Byrne, very funny comedian. And uh, although he is also a sportsaholic, I believe, in here he's talking mostly about uh, a few tricks of the trade and how to gracefully get off stage the right way uh, when you're a stand-up comic. So let's give a listen to Sportsaholics. I love your special burn identity, people. If you haven't seen burn identity, and that's so I like. And what I really want to talk to you about is you do that great opening with Callan, where you talk about like (laughs) where they they do a little scare into you, like yeah, you're gonna go out there and you're committing this to videotape forever. How do you feel like it's like that's out there forever now? Well, it was Peter Billingsley, oh yeah, Christmas Story, and Brian Callan, and Callan did the introduction of my first special as well. And he, they were they came there and they're like, what should we talk about? What should we do? And uh, and uh, Peter brought up the fact that I was only doing one take. Most yep. specials, you get two takes. It's just like, you only get one take? I'm like, yeah. He's like, let's talk about that. So they came up with that of just, you know, whatever you say here, it is forever. You get one take. But they were kind of saying that as film actors or in movies, you, you get multiple takes. You get 20 right, or 30 absolutely. takes. And guys at home, like, if you don't know, yeah, they, some guys will film three nights and edit that in to one special. Right. So you get three opportunities to, you know, and sometimes audiences, you know, they're not dig in one particular joke for some reason it'll work 99 times you know and you always have that that one time that it doesn't so that's saying a lot though to go you know you think even on your second special you get to do it at least twice but no wow really same crusty theater and you got to bang it out just one time so you got to nail it and i remember the first the first literally the first five minutes of the special you can't tell because you can't hear it because they mic'd it a certain way and they can fudge with the audio I was on stage, and there were two black guys that stood up and had a full-blown conversation during the first five minutes of my set. And I'm waiting for security. I'm plowing through the material. And I'm like, this joke normally does great. And I'm just like, well, it's these two guys. And it, it got to a point where like, I'm going to address them at some point, And that's horrible <sighs> to do in one take special. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually, some guy came over and escorted them out. <laughs> but it was the first five minutes as soon as I get on stage. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. But a trick I always learned was anytime somebody enters the room or gets up and exits the room of a comedy club, you never look at them. Because the minute you look at them, you give them power, the audience looks at them, and then they oh, get yeah. distracted. And I've never, if anybody, if I ever see anybody perfectly get up, I look to the other side of the, of the stage. That's actually a great tip because when you see someone rise up, you're just like, what, the, what are they doing? Like immediately yeah. in your head, you're just like, are they leaving? Or like, what you the really could enjoy this. You should yeah. stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this next one coming up. Is the fantastic. other tip I would have that I gave my, my buddy who, who had to fill in for me one night, I, I, I told him, I go, look. He played, the part of Steve Byrne tonight will be played yeah, by I, Al Madrigal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> so I, I said, whenever you see the check starting to get dropped or have them light you when the checks drop, do your relationship material then. Because all the guys are paying the bills and all the girls are sitting there, unless they're dating a black guy. All the girls will be paying the bills. <laughs> so nice. do your relationship stuff then. Because the girls are the ones that are paying attention to you, and you can cater your material towards oh, relationships. They're going to get more into it, as, as opposed to the guys who are just going to be paying the bill and going over everything. So I told them that's a good tip to have, because you, granted, half the audience is not going to be paying attention, but tip. the other half will really be invested now, because no. you're hitting home and striking a chord with something that they want to listen about. No, and someone that's not a community, you guys have no idea. Like When you're on stage and the check comes out, it's immediate death for... Five to eight, sometimes ten minutes, depending on how good the wait staff is. And it's like being a basketball player at the height of your career and learning you have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> That's the chat spot. That's a callback, people. That is also a technical professional comedy <laughs> trick. That's a callback to something we talked about earlier. Amazing. So that's Sportsaholics. You can give them a listen at sportsaholicspodbean.com, also on iTunes. Um, next up, uh, a clip from a show that we played in our second episode. 
Uh, these guys are just funny. They've been doing a number of podcast episodes. This is from their episode number 289. Uh, they bill themselves on their site as America through the eyes of two American Americans. Uh, this is a uh, Yeah Dude with Seth Romatelli and Jonathan Larroquette. And uh, here they're talking about uh, a spate of fat women in the news. Um, now, Donna Simpson, she's 44. She's from Akron, Ohio. She currently holds the Guinness record for weighing the most at the time of giving birth. She weighed 532 pounds. It required 30 doctors. Um, after birth, she gained more weight, got to over 600, and she was on her way to challenge the record. Her plan was to, like, I'm, I'm at 600, I'm going to beat fuck this, fuck this I'm bitch. I'm halfway there. I'll show you. But she just split from her, quote, feeder fiancé, who was helping her in this quest, obviously, uh, and she's now going on a diet because her whole life has just been like they just broke up. Their plan was to get the record, and he was there to help because that was his feeder game. Uh, why isn't there a show on Bravo called, called Feeders and Feeders. Fiancés? Feeders and Fiancés on TLC. It's so good. It's right after Storage Wars. Amazing show. It's right after my gypsy, crazy Feeders and Fiancés gypsy wedding. Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> Pauline Potter is 47 years old. She's from Sacramento, California. She currently, right now, is the Guinness Book of World Record holder. Like The largest woman living right now. She's 897 643, pounds. but her plan is to like... That's, this is, everyone's plan when they're 600 pounds is to be 1,200 pounds well, by the time they die. you have to earn it. You can't just... It's not mm. something... You have to really earn it. You can't just... You can't be telling me that you... How much did she weigh? The main... The, the, the 1,200. Okay. You don't get to tell me that your plan is to double your weight when you're already you need to be at 697 least, You need to be pounds. at least 900, Yeah, you, you got to be at least... If you're not 900... You got to be pushing a G. Don't come at me. Don't be talking don't about your... Don't come at me with yeah, your feeder fiancé at 500. With your fucking little pipsqueak Whack. feeder fiancé. Unless okay. you have like a major food endorsement. Okay. Food Suzanne, companies should start endorsing these people. Why isn't Hostess and Entenmann's fighting like, uh, to like, like sponsor? Like, like thinking me like this bitch is gonna make it. This like, bitch gonna she's do gonna it. break the record. Let's let's you, you get know, behind you this know those one. Those new Oreos we do, the triple stuff. Look at her. They need scouts, but they, it's more than cookies. You need to yeah, you need to be sponsored across the board. Yeah, yeah, Bacon, yeah. Tyson, yeah. <laughs> Tyson. <laughs> Suzanne Eman is thirty-two. She lives in Casa Grande, Arizona. She has not been documented by Guinness, but she's called them to be like. Um, I'm fatter than I'm all these 728 people. and I am really on my trust. way she trust and I saw a breakdown of her menu of what she's going with oh this bitch don't play it's like some Kobayashi it shit it is Kobayashi shit I mean she she's setting the alarm to get the food on like it's not like oh I'm lazy I sleep no like bam in the fucking kitchen like stretching because she needs muscle mass to hold the weight she has a fucking plan. Oh, she's... She, yeah, she's, she's doing She's in it. training. She's like, I'm in training because I, I need a lean muscle I mass Pacquiao's underneath this. Trainer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Freddie Roach, like, <laughs> up in there screaming at her. She is getting her eat on. I say Pauline might hold the record now, but Suzanne, once, once the word gets out on this show and the Guinness people hear this episode, they'll be out to Arizona and they'll like... But I just want to let people know that right now there's like... There's three women battling right now. Why is it so much more interesting that it's women than men? Because I would be, I would actually like for you to keep me posted and updated on this. Of course. Yeah, but if it was men, I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. These motherfuckers. Who gives a shit? All right. Uh, yeah, 
Dude, which can be heard at uh, yeah, dude.com also on iTunes. Uh, man, that's uh, get your eat on, man. That was fantastic. That was very insulting to big, beautiful women. I know you have your particular likes, Kenny. I'm sorry. Very insulting. I'm s- <sighs> the footwear of the big, beautiful woman is something not to be. It's beautiful. Uh, you're Kenny. You're right. You're you right. Know, you're right. This is not funny. No. 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 Okay. I gotta go now. All right, Kenny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kenny Durgis, our booth announcer, occasionally collides off. At- I'm not the booth announcer. I'm assistant. Sorry. Assistant. Assistant booth engineer. No, yes, that's what S- I am. Assistant engineer. I got to go now. Assistant no, engineer. Go. You got me. Oh, f- I got to go. Oh, you got to go. You got me flustered, Kenny. Assistant engineer, Kenny Durgis, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that brings us right up to our burst of Durst time with comedian Will Durst. This time talking about his theory of trickle up economics. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few thoughts concerning President Obama's call to raise taxes on the rich and the predictable Republican response. Class warfare, an oldie but a goodie. And about as unexpected as finding green grapes in a fruit salad. Why is it always a war with these guys? The culture war, war on Christmas. Then they accuse Democrats of being emotionally unequipped to go to war. Well, which is it? When taxes are raised on the rich, oh sure, that's class warfare. But when libraries are closed and national parks left to rot so rich people can have more money, that's trickle-down economics. What Barack should do is rename his efforts to balance the playing field, trickle-up economics. That would at least confuse them. Not that they need more confusion. You know what? You're right. It is a class war. You started it, and your side is winning. The Republicans are especially upset about a proposal called the Warren Buffett Rule, which calls for billionaires to pay taxes at the same rate as their secretaries. The GOP puts more faith in the Jimmy Buffett Rule, which holds that anybody who worries about coming up with next month's rent money should start drinking margaritas until they pass out. What is it with the rich? How much money do they need? How many cars can you drive? How many imported beluga caviar cream cheese canapes can you consume at a single cocktail party? The richest 400 families in this country control more wealth than the bottom 150 million people put together. And anytime somebody wearing a watch worth more than a house talks about class warfare, they should have a hose shoved down their throat and goose liver pumped in until they leak from the ears. From the front lines of the class war, hunkered down in my bunker with a view, for Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. That is Will Durst. You can uh, catch more of Will at willdurst.com. And uh, he also tweets, so catch him at at Will Durst on Twitter. I've been Mark Hershon. Uh, thanks once again to Joe Polino and Studio P for another fine edition of Succotash. Till next time uh, we talk to you, uh, pass the Succotash. Friends, you've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Oh, Jesus, I think I called him Tim. <laughs> well, anyway, as you can find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or as Succotash Show on iTunes and even at Succotash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Succotash on Twitter at Succotash Show. Friend Succotash on Facebook. 
Hey, even I'm on Facebook. You can email us at marc at succotashshow.com or just go old school and pick up the phone and give Succotash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Dull charges may apply. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Tune-em-up Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Let me see. The recipe, the actual ingredients, the proportion of the Baltimore batterer. I believe we started with... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember...